Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. I've had the pleasure of talking with Chris Templeton for a few minutes uh, off mic and on the pre-show and really getting to know him a little bit better. And I think that you guys are going to be excited to hear the story that Chris has to tell you today. Not only does he have a story, but he has a website called ohthestorieswetell.com. And I strongly encourage you guys to go check it out because there's a lot of things going on there. And Chris is going to get into what the website is, what it's about, and all these different things. But it's not just Chris isn't just here just to talk about the website. We're going to talk about how he got to the point of realizing that the things that he's doing with the website on the website are vitally important, not only to himself, but how they can help you as well. So Chris, thank you for being a guest today on Focus on Port. We're so glad to have you here and and eager to hear your story. Thanks, Tim. Super, super pleased to be here. Really pleased. I, uh, I, I just realized as you were introing me that one of my favorite uh, things to talk about is the long game. And really, I, I think focus forward is probably just a different way of saying uh, the same thing. You know, what's, what's your long-term focus? And we get so stuck on being in the present and in the moment, and that's important, but it's way better if you're thinking about what the long game is and focused on right. forward. Yeah, thinking about how you're going to move forward since still. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and take the mic here. Tell us about Chris Templeton and, and how we got to where we're at today. Well, you're bringing up all kinds of good stuff for me. Um, I grew up in a family of five and uh, we thought we knew we knew that we were an ideal family. We were the model family and we talked about it all the time, especially my mom, um, you know, God, we just have it. We have all we want. And it was really great. And at the same time, and I didn't, I wouldn't know this probably for uh, until I was probably into my mid thirties, even probably into my mid thirties, early thirties was that my dad was a huge uh, narcissist and my mom just wanted everything to be okay. And boy, oh boy, does that create uh issues that you didn't even know were there and so for so long you know i thought we were the ideal family then i well i guess at 15 i found out that um we're on a boat trip in the delta of the california bay area and on a boat for a week and my dad's assistant decided that uh at 15 it was okay for me to know that he was screwing around and Oh boy. I had to be on had to be on the boat for another three or four days at least, if not longer, and process that. So that was the first kind of chink in the armor. And um it just 
I don't think it took away that we were still an ideal family, but it, it really was so difficult to try and wrap my arms around. And at some point you're kind of like, okay, dad's kind of a jerk and, and that's just the way it is. And, and, and there were good things out of that too. I mean, one of the things that I think I learned really early on was how to compartmentalize things in, in some, some things good, some things not so good, but, um, it really took a toll on me and I think my my sibs um, from a financial standpoint. My dad loved to talk about how he um, was always being milked by us for his money and blah, 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 blah. And I, I recall, yeah, yeah, it was a really good, good, uh, <clears throat> good approach to to getting uh, your kids to be responsible with money. <laughs> 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 not that's that's um, one way and, of looking at it sure yeah exactly and so that ended up really being uh, the place that i struggled in my life and and i'm still working some stuff through but you know and then having mom who just you know oh honey don't worry about that it'll be okay i'll take care of that for you that sort of thing i was thinking about the other day i used to do a lot of catering and my mom was a a wedding planner she's very good at it and okay. um and I worked for a caterer that she used and I spilled on the rehearsal dinner. I spilled a plate of stuff on the mother of the bride. And I mean, <laughs> it was not good. And my mom was like, oh, honey, don't worry about it. I'll take care of that. And, you know, it's so fascinating to look at dad on one hand. It's all about me. You're always, you know, you're always trying to take advantage of me, that, that sort of thing. And I'm having a really good time. And if you want to have a good time with me, great. If not, you know, um, we'll see you later. And then mom who just wanted it to all be okay. And I think that both were not the greatest things, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not sure which one was worse. Honestly, you know, this kind of idea that it's all going to take care of itself and, oh, honey, don't worry. Um, it, when I look back at it recently in the last 10 years or so, it's, I've wondered about that impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, so um, actually, as of last Monday, uh, February 7th, 2022, I celebrated my 32nd year with my girlfriend to be wife. Um, and, you know, we've had an amazing, amazing life. And you know, one of the things we'll talk about is just this idea of how I can take things that are tough and turn them into positives. You know, my dad had some sure. really good things. My mom had some really good things. Um, and we kind of, and they both had some things that I don't think service very well. And my wife and I have really been focused forward on what do we want for our kids? And, um, using my wife's dad was a tough guy for her to grow up with as well and so okay. you know being able to take some of that stuff and and you know look at it as ways to inform how we raised our kids and how we interacted with each other um has been marvelous i mean i mean 32 years of a relationship that we love each other as much more now than we ever did and um 
our kids really like us and like being with us. It's like, oh my God, I never would have ever thought of that. So awesome. uh, in terms of kind of when that, that change happened, I think it's probably when Betsy and I got together pretty shortly after. So that's, that's okay. the background. Well, let me ask you this, you know, because this kind of strikes a similar chord with me. So growing up, my, my natural father, narcissist, uh, very much everything was always about him. Still very much, even though he's declining in health, things are very much about him. Yeah. Um, and, and I say my natural father because I was adopted by my stepfather when I was 13. Hmm. Um, but growing up with my own marriage, and I've been, uh, we just crossed 24 years, my wife and I. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, but in doing so, in raising three kids as well, I look at it and, and a lot of the decisions I made were because these were things that I thought he wouldn't have done. Absolutely. Is that, is, did you have a similar impact uh, on your life and, and how you approached marriage and children? And uh, You know, I, it's funny. I, I think it depends on what it was. Like, you know, I, um, thankfully, I'm not a philanderer. And I never felt like that was a hard, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I didn't want to be that. There was no question, but I don't sure felt, I never felt like that informed my behavior. On the other hand, um, having my kids be more accountable, you know, one of the things that I, you know, my parents bought us cars, we never had to pay for them, or if we were going to pay for them, it never ended up happening. Oh, Oh, honey, Craig, my mom would say to my dad, you know, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. And, he's, and you could see his frustration. So there were some things that were very much like, oh, no, we're not doing that again, um, right. specifically around finances, actually. And other things were more like, I just, I know who I want to be, and it ain't that. And uh, But I didn't feel like it was like this decision, I'm not going to be a philanderer type of thing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. You know, I, I jokingly say that, you know, people wear the uh, the wristbands, you know, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wear one sarcastically, uh, jokingly. I don't literally wear it, but in my mind, I do this as, you know, WWHD, what would he do? And I, you know, whatever that is, I, I try to make sure I did the opposite because that seemed to be, and it seems to have worked so far for me. I, you know, I don't, it's not always perfect uh, theory, but yeah, you but know. it's but it, but I get it. And and you know, I mean, I think one of the things that's so important is recognizing if there were places that that mm -hmm. bio dad was was uh, you know, a good guy, recognizing those and 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 appreciating those while at the same time I think it may, when you do that it makes it much easier to say and no 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 not that not that not that, right? Yeah, I, I think it helps to to create perspective. I mean, my dad, we had an amazing, amazing life in 20 different ways and about three or four, they totally sucked. But right. Um, and I just feel like having that perspective really helped not to make his crappy behavior okay by any stretch, but to just no. like... No, I don't, I don't take that that as, as you whitewashing it or, or you know, yeah. going, oh, hey, yeah, everything's exactly. fine. And, uh, but I think it's a recognition of, you know, I always say that you have to find the silver lining in everything. You know, there's uh, even in, in somebody else's crappy behavior, you have to find the silver lining in that relationship. And if, if it's something that means something to you and you're going to move forward with it in some way, you have to find a way that allows you to move forward. 
And so I, that's what it sounds like you did to me. That's exactly right. And that's when we get into my, the work that I do, that's the foundation of it is recognizing that I can take really crappy stuff. And as, as a very good friend of mine says, and find the gift in it, you know, I mean, yeah. what would he do and not doing that um, is a big gift. But knowing that if I say, you know, what would he do? And I know that that's the basis of me moving to a better place that I feel good about me, and I feel serves me. Oh, my God, that's just taking it to that next level. Yes, absolutely. And being able to change those stories from the past to something that serves you. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest uh, jobs of our lives is to figure out, you know, how do I take dad's behavior and have it serve me in mm -hmm. ways that, that are repeating the crappy behavior, right? Right. Yeah, you have to look at it and say, you know, how what's the benefit? How does this, what can I learn from this? What can I do with this? What can, you know, and that's... <clears throat> excuse me, that's a, a difficult bridge sometimes to cross, but once you've crossed it and you're able to look back again, you're not, you're not whitewashing it. You're not accepting the negative behavior, but you're finding the positives in the good behaviors and the other things that allow you to maintain function, shall we say. And, you know, I think the thing that gets missed a lot is that when we figure out where the value is in the tough stuff of our upbringing, we let ourselves off the hook. You know, we think that, oh, well, why would I do that? He was such a jerk and that sort of thing. And yeah, he may have been a jerk, but you know what? If you're carrying it, <laughs> it's not serving you. Right. And, and that's critical to understand that like letting somebody off the hook, appreciating why they were the way they were, um, gives you freedom and lets you be so much better. So. Oh, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, a very key component to anybody's, uh, well, you know, our own healing, you know, our, our mental, emotional healing, you know, accepting what, what, learning to accept what we can, learning to reject what we need to reject, and, and learning what things um, we can move past from, you know, that's all part and key to, to us being able to heal from the things that we've endured. And, and so it sounds like you've had a, had a quite a few things that you've had to work through in your life with, with these things. And, and I can kind of commiserate with you a little bit on those, but where was the point you said that there was a point and I, and I, I'm trying to remember, I think you said it was something about with your, your wife, but is that the point where you began to become focused on forward when you met her? Yeah. I, 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 I don't think there was, I don't even know that I was aware of it, but you know, at the time that we met, we met, we were both living in San Francisco. We did not know each other. And um, she uh, hired waiters to do corporate gigs. And I was a waiter for a, a corporate, a high-end corporate catering firm. And we had mutual friends. And, and uh, from the time that we got together, I, my, <laughs> my, uh, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. My happy-go-lucky um, stance on life changed dramatically. I mean, all mm -hmm. of a sudden, I wasn't catering as much. I wanted to be with this person. Um, we were super compatible and really enjoyed each other's company. And I think that was the beginning of it. Although I don't think I would have, at the time, said, "Oh my God, I'm changing who I am or what I am." But it really did. It really did change in a dramatic way was the beginning of that 
which I'm okay. so grateful for. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see it. Okay, so let's talk about how you move forward from that point, because now here's, here's your starting point. So what did you do from that point? Things that you did knowingly, because there were some things that were happening under the surface that were going to take yeah. time to, to develop. But the things that you were knowingly doing, what were the things that you were knowingly doing to help yourself move forward? Um, wanting to be with this person. Truly, I think that that was probably the biggest thing. Um, I wanted to be with Betsy and I wanted to do the right thing. Um, not that I felt like I was doing the wrong thing, but I just felt like there were things that I could do to be a better um, partner and friend and uh, that that sort of thing. So I really think that that did change my behavior. I mean, I stopped catering. I got uh, a full-time, I got full-time work not long after we were together, as opposed to I was doing catering and computer consulting in my own, on my own. And that sort of thing was, you know, it was good, but, but ha it just got me to take a whole nother level of seriousness about life. I, I mean, one of the things that was fascinating about growing up is we really had no boundaries, like do whatever you want. We'll see you when we see it. Yeah. Call home, that sort of thing. And, and that, uh, and one of the things that was clear to me is that was not the way I wanted to roll with with Betsy and Betsy had a child who was three and a half at the time who's now in her um, mid-30s and so uh, okay. you know there was responsibility there and wanting to do the right thing by the the daughter too so I think those were the things that really started to get me to be focused on what's important to me I hadn't really thought about it but I would have to say that is that is the big one for me yeah okay so how did that lead you to the work that you're doing now? I don't know that it really did, but uh, I had what she liked to call herself, um, and I always thought it was hysterical, she, her, my evil stepmother, which she would say, this is your evil stepmother, and I think you should read this book. It's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and that was in 2003. So by that point, Betsy and I had been together for uh, 13 years, and... Um, that was what really got me to to start trying to make more sense out of where I was struggling, mm -hmm. how to be better, that sort of thing. And so um, I read that book in 2003, and the thing that really hit me was him saying something along the lines of, you know what, we are all really good, universally good at driving ourselves crazy in certain parts of our lives. And I think it took me a while to get to a place where I was like, I could internalize that, you know, because it's so easy. And I think in, in our society, we are so good at looking at things that we don't like and saying, well, you know, if that weren't the case, my life would be so better, so much better. And um, whether it was politics or a misbehaving employee or uh, a, a three and a half year old that was going to be in your face about every little thing. Uh, it, mm -hmm. You know, when you start to, to recognize that those are all things that are happening out there, but you get to be response able, able to respond in a way that you like, uh, man, oh man, that really hit me at, at more and more and more. And so um, that was kind of the foundation of the beginning of all the stories we tell. Although I, I do recall in, in 1987, um, I read 
Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay. And he shared a quote, um, which is my favorite quote on the planet, which is between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And that was from a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl, who was in a psychiatrist and was a uh, was in the concentration camps during World War II and made it through and was able to retain value in his life through that whole experience and uh, then wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, where that quote comes from. And that really uh, hit me like a ton of bricks, just this idea that, you know, because kind of the new agey thing is, well, you know, you create your own reality, Tim. And I just could never wrap my arms around that. But what right. made, and, and Eckhart Tolle's a lot that way too, you know, it's all an illusion. Well, you know, um, that feels real to me. And so what, what I recognized was that, oh my God, really what people mean at some level is you get to choose the story that you want to tell about what's going on around you and within you. And so what happened from that point on is I, I developed three questions that, honest to God, changed my life. I'm convinced that my wife, who is just ecstatically happy, um, who was a tough man, she did not put up with any crap and, and is just so happy now. And we have these kids that love spending time with us, that we love spending time with. Um, none of that would have happen with the depth that it, it does without these three questions and a model that I ended up putting together as a result of that. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about how that's moved forward now and, and, and how you're using that to help everyone, not only yourself, sure. but other people, please. So the three questions are very, very simple. And if what you were to do is to take an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper or A4 and turn it landscape, and on the top left corner, you wrote, what's the story I'm telling? That's the first question. And then the second question is, does this serve me in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment? Second question on the left side. And then the third question is, assuming that it doesn't serve me, because typically we're asking the question when we're feeling icky, is, is there a more authentic story I can tell? So those are the three questions. What's the story I'm telling? Is it serving me in this moment? And is there a more authentic story I can tell? And one of the things, when I started putting this together, one of the things that was really important to me, really going back to kind of the new agey stuff, is I didn't want something that was fluffy and woo-woo. I wanted something that anybody could take and walk away with and be a better person with themselves, be a better person with their relationships, with their kids, with their coworkers, their bosses, their uh, subordinates, whatever the case may be, it had to be something that was simple, commonsensical, and those three questions just do that. So as far as story goes, what, what I define story is anything that I am thinking or picturing in my head. And the beauty of calling that thinking stories is that they're inherently editable. Like we are so oh, stuck yeah. with 
we're so stuck with emotion. We have a tendency to get stuck in emotion. Well, I am just mad and I'm not going to take it. Okay, great. So um, how's that serving you? And right. And we get right, that, right. that smile on our face and we're like, oh God. Yeah. So, so in the model, what I recognized at some point was question number two, is this story serving me in this moment is binary. It's a yes or no answer. No fluff, no, no emotion either is or it isn't. So if you took that eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that's in landscape and from question two which is on the left side middle you can draw a horizontal line across that page and what i say is if it doesn't serve you if the answer is no your story is an above the line story and i call that lovingly and happily and joyfully and uh, humorously little me land and it puts a smile on everybody's face, just like you got, where you're like, oh, I know what little me land is. <laughs> oh, I've been there. And so when you, but what's so cool about that is when you recognize and you give it a name that's light and airy and silly, uh, I, I call it lesser me or little me. When I'm in that place, and I know because it's super simple to figure it out. Is this serving me in this moment? Like, and, and, and if, if you said, well, Chris, of course it's serving me in this moment. What do you mean? It's not serving you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, so you kind of get as opposed to, is it serving me? You know, I'm not sure if it is. Let me think that through. Like that's, that's below the line where we're, even if it's not serving us, uh, the, the way that we're looking at it is, what I call authentic me land. I'm below that line. And when I'm able to look at something without resistance and without fear and feeling hopeless or victimized, man, now I'm below the line. My story does serve me or the way that I'm looking at it serves me. Mm -hmm. And I'm in authentic me land. And boy, oh boy, uh, recognizing that really is... <laughs> It's huge. I mean, it's one of the things that I struggle with is helping people to understand how big just that piece is right there. Like all of a sudden, I have a way to move past emotion and just go with, hey, is this serving me? Like, and you could be frustrated and still have something, have your story serving you, right? But you can't Absolutely. be in rage. You can't be angry and tell yourself that that's serving you or the people that you're dealing with. Right. So understanding kind of the next piece of the model is that you have on, on the model. And by the way, you can see it at other stories. We tell.com it's right on the homepage. Um, uh, we have emotion. We add emotion after the fact of these three questions. And when you think about it above the line, you have a really broad range of emotion, like from rage and we're doing things that are, you know, physically or yelling or screaming at people. And on, on the positive side, we're probably really manic, you know, that sort of thing. But there's a really broad range of emotion above the line. Below the line in authentic me land, it's much more measured. It's, well, I don't want to use measured because that sounds like I'm trying to force it. We just don't have, we kind of go from frustrated at the top, right at the line to, 
you know, I'm in a good and happy content place. Uh, yeah. And so when we start to look at our behavior from that model, all of a sudden we recognize, holy crap, I want to be below the line a whole lot more than I want to be above the line. Right. Right. And so it's prescriptive from that standpoint that, you know, you're like, I'm up in little me land and that's not where I want to be right now. So that's that's kind of the the, the very basics of the model. Okay. No, that, that's very good. It all makes it all makes a lot of sense. So in our in our previous conversations, and you know, we we you and I have talked quite a bit on uh, Facebook Messenger about you know coming on the show and and you know some of the things that that this model can do to help uh, other people get through some things. Now, one of the things that you, you felt that this would help in was you know helping people with their self awareness, their meaning and purpose in life. And, and you've kind of hinted at that already and how this kind of gets through that. But yeah, take us through that. How does it really help shape it, it, the people's confidence to be able to move through these things? And maybe even, you know, you know because we're going to have to look at areas like anxiety, imposter syndrome, things along those mm -hmm. lines, where these things, the, 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 uh, as you put it, the little me land uh, is greatly, could be greatly affected by an increase in anxiety or having a, a uh, onset of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Well, let me let me just take a step back and, and talk yeah, a little, please. one one other aspect about the model because it'll really answer that. In Little Me Land, if you think about it, you know, stories, there's a narrator. And when you're authentic, that narrator is just kind of telling you what's going on, narrating the scene, you're putting everything in perspective, looking around, making sure that, you know, that's, that I'm good. But when I move above the line, there is what is known, Eckhart Tolle in, in The Power Now calls it the pain body, which just makes me want to cringe. Like, oh my God, it's the pain body. And other people call it the ego and the ego is the enemy and we must destroy the ego. And I'm like, uh. What I realized about mm, two years ago was that we need to change our perspective about that part of us. We are all, every single one of us wired with fight or flight response. There, there's brain wiring that is always there to keep us safe. And so if what you do is you say, you know what, that aspect of my personality, which is hardwired into my brain, I'm going to call it the protector with a capital P, like I'm going to honor this part of me and not pretend that I it's the, the enemy and that I need because by the way, that's all it's crappy thinking. <clears throat> so what happens is think about you know, I, one of my favorite stories, I'm walking across the, picking up my boy from school in third grade, he's darling, he's got his glasses on and, you know, we're just holding hands crossing the street and somebody goes honk and he spins around and gets a scowl on his face like that fast, right? Only to see his teacher waving at him. <laughs> and then he's right back down, right? So he went to little me land in a heartbeat and that's the protector but that protector is also the part of us that is always looking to keep us safe. And so it's looking at our relationships, how we're thinking. It's looking at us the worst. It's the part of us. Uh, a lot of people talk about the inner bully or the inner critic. That's mm -hmm. all this protector. And so what happens is so much of things like imposter syndrome 
really may have a, a root in reality. Gee, I, I'm not as good at this as I'd like to be, but that part of our personality, the protector takes that and runs with it. And, you know, we think about how we talk about, what is it, 80 or 90% of the stuff that we worry about never comes true. Well, that's all the protector. So one of the things is I like to think of when I'm above the line and the protector's mm-hmm. hard at work, I'm basically turning on the dark switch. Like, man, I'm, I'm putting a cloud over me. I'm putting a cloud over other people. I'm judging people I'm, to make myself feel better. I'm judging myself to make myself feel worse. I mean, man, the places the protector will go. And so when you recognize that that's this aspect of you and you honor it from the standpoint of, oh my God, that part of me is here to keep me safe. It's the reason we are on this planet. Like without that wiring, we never would have made it to where we, where we are as far as keeping us safe. But it's now kind of got all kinds of fuel to behave in ways that don't serve us. And so when we recognize that, then what we do is we start to say, okay, what can we do to talk that part of us back into balance? So to answer your question, when we think about things like imposter syndrome or finding meaning, all of, of imposter syndrome happens above the line in little me land. And it's probably 95% the protector trying to keep us safe. Oh my God, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this. Oh, that project is going to be so big. Maybe, maybe we should wait on that and, 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 and not deal with it right now. I mean, it's, and it can be whispering or it can be really loud, but when we recognize that that's happening, then the, the key is to, to kind of talk that part of us down and back into a place where we're authentic with ourselves and say, you know, yeah, you know, it feels sometimes like I'm being an imposter and what I know are when I take the time to write about it or to really examine it. And and we don't do a very good job of that in our head. So that's why I'm a fan of writing. Um, what we find is this lightness, this inner, you know, in, in Christianity, they talk about um, this little light of mine. I, may, I think it's Christian, but anyway, you know, this little light so, of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah. Well, if you think about the model uh, and, and that there's a, it's almost like a V in terms of the emotion. And I think all of us, it's the kind of thing where you hear about um, Einstein or uh, whoever, you know, having these aha moments. And I think we all have this inner wisdom within us. And when we let, when we talk the protector into balance and we get ourselves to stories below the line you know what i do have some things that i want to improve that you know have me feeling like a bit of an imposter but you know what there's a lot of things that i'm bringing to the table in this situation or that situation that really are pretty good and i'm open to growing and getting better all of that happens below the line above the line we're all problem oriented below the line we move to a solution orientation fear above the line um, my opposite for fear is curiosity. Like, gee, what's the story somebody else is telling? How can I in- incorporate mm-hmm. that? Like, I'm way more open. And when I'm way more open, I'm not asking questions about the meaning of life. I'm living it. I'm more process-oriented, whereas uh, above the line, I'm far more ends-oriented. I'll be happy when, right? We have that kind of 
conditional thinking below the line, you know, I'm going to enjoy this process and figure it out and do my best to be in a place where I don't feel like an imposter and I really feel like I'm bringing value to whatever the, the situation is. And so below the line, we just have this more open place where we're experiencing life kind of, I, I love the expression, we're experiencing life's rich tapestry. That does not happen above the line. And so does that answer your question about meaning and, and yeah, purpose? I so. uh, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, what you're doing is you're correlating the, the actions to, you know, the, the response and, and how we move forward with it. So I think that's a, I think that's a nice explanation. And I think it helps us to understand really uh, what your model can do to help us uh, as we're trying to move ourselves forward, because I think many times we get stuck in, in the anxiety and the imposter syndromes and the, the, the just, well, really just the anxieties of life. I and mean, let, let's just look at it that way. And, and sometimes that has a, a, a prop, uh, you know, potential to, to get us stuck on the wrong side of the line. Oh, so, so. stuck, so stuck. And, and, and think about it. Think about when you start to <clears throat> look at this idea of this Oh, that's the protector. And now I know that I don't need to try and put him away and, 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 and try to not deal with that part of me. All of a sudden, life is just so much simpler. And when we think about anxiety, think about 80 or 90% of our thoughts is that protector. You know, oh my God, you better watch out for that. Oh, we don't need to do it's all of this little and and you know, kind of right above the line, I always think of him as whispering, like, oh, you, you're probably not going to be that good at that, or, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not going sure. to be good enough, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, how can you be a good parent? Look at how, how um, you were raised. You don't have any ability to be a good parent. And, and so the other thing, going way back to the beginning of the conversation is, like, when I take stories about my dad or your dad being a narcissist, and I find the value in them. I find I appreciate why they were there and that I don't want to be there. And I'm way more appreciative and happy below that line. Like all of the meaning, so, not all of me, so much of the meaning in our lives comes from taking stories that were crappy of us growing up and, and modifying them so that they're balanced and that we can look at dad and say you know what i totally get why my dad was the way he was so glad i'm not that way i totally appreciate the good stuff i'm so glad that i've been able to take the the crappy stuff and figure out what's important to me so that i don't do that um it's it's game changing when you look at it as just a story oh my god i've been carrying that story about my dad for so many years and it hasn't been serving me at all and now i can look at him and say oh you know, when, I mean, the beauty of this model is, is it's universal. Like I can go, oh, their dad was up there. <laughs> Glad I'm not there. Right. So right. those kinds of things, so much meaning comes from converting stories that didn't serve us um, into, into stories that do. And then our behavior changes and we become so much more at ease in the world. Um, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Chris, I, I, I think that you and I could probably sit here and, and talk for hours <laughs> about this. Honestly, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation very much, but I, I want to make sure that people know where to go to find out more about you. Where sure. I mean, I mentioned your website earlier, but uh, please take a moment 
tell everybody about about you, your website, you know, how to get a hold of you if they want to learn more. Sure. So um, uh, you can find me at ohthestorieswetell.com and then also, you know, Facebook forward slash ohthestorieswetell, Instagram, ohthestorieswetell. Um, and YouTube, you can't, I don't have a vanity URL right yet. I've just been promoting this, by the way, for about six months. Um, so what I would love is if everybody would go to YouTube and search for other oh, stories we tell in this little blue thought bubble with kind of burnt orange writing other oh, stories we tell will be one of the first results and click on that that's my channel please uh like and subscribe or subscribe to my channel because that at some point i'll be able to have youtube forward slash other stories we tell and in exchange there is a playlist called the honesty project and i told a very good friend of mine probably eight years ago about this, just in passing. And she came to me right before the pandemic and said, hey, Chris, you know, I can't get that out of my mind. Can we, you know, I've had a, a fairly rough upbringing and, you know, struggles through life, that sort of thing. How about if we did a podcast where I talk about something that's bugging me and we apply it to the model? It's like, sure. So, there are about 14 videos and up in the honesty project and more coming nice. and it's all it is is practicing and, and you know one of the, one of the things that's really important uh, to keep in mind is this is not therapy I think it's good self therapy but it's not a therapy it's not a belief system anything like that it's going to take your spirituality and make it better your religion better your your partnering with your 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 spouse your kids I mean it just becomes this way to look at the world that's like putting on clear glasses and so that uh the honesty project on my YouTube channel with Melody is just lovely uh, because it's just her. And, you know, I, we've been doing that for a couple of years and she's like, oh my God, this has made such a difference. So. Excellent. Okay. So before I, I let you go, and we'll make sure to put those, all those down in the, the show notes here. So everybody can track you down um, in a nice way, of course, track, track Chris <laughs> down in a nice way. Uh, but before I can let you get out of here, I do have two questions I have to ask you. The same questions I ask every single guest who's been uh, here on Focused on Forward. So okay. here they are. First right. question, looking back over the entirety of your experience, what's the single greatest lesson that you have learned? The single greatest lesson, just hands down, is that I get to choose my own stories. Doesn't mean that, that, uh, that I love them necessarily, but I can take anything, anything that was awful or horrible. And that's why I like Viktor Frankl so much is, you know, here's a guy who found meaning in the concentration camps and I right. can create a story that has meaning. I get to pick my own stories. Excellent. Taking ownership of it. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second question, very similar to the first, looking back over the entirety of your experience, what was the single greatest piece of advice that you were given? Um, I don't have an answer for that, but I have an answer in terms of advice that I gave myself. Does that count? Sure. It's all practice. Make your life practice. Give yourself the room to make mistakes, to learn, 
to take the tough stuff and turn it into something. And when I look at my life as practice, which I do every day, almost every day, I practice, I write, I, um, most days I meditate for 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, by looking at my life as practice, um, it's just, you know, a big, big piece of this is talking down that protector. Like when you think about it, our biggest job in life is to keep that guy well-balanced. He's really important. She's really important. But practice is a great way to get the protector to step down and go, oh, okay, so it's okay if we make mistakes and it's okay if we learn from them and that sort of thing. So for me um, and for your your audience, man, I, I think of all of this, the most important thing that you can do is look at how to make your life practice. Perfect. Okay. Actually, I really like that. Um, yeah, I even gave it wrote it down right there in my notes, put a big square around it, a couple <laughs> stars. I actually really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. You know, it reminds me of something that my, one of my friends, you know, it's a, uh, I know it's a famous quote out there. I don't remember who says it, but you know, you can't take life too seriously. Nobody gets out alive anyway. Uh, so it, it's similar to that made me think of that. That's one of his favorite quotes, but uh, yeah, excellent. The protector, that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking life way too damn seriously and it's not helping. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being on Focused on Forward. Guys, please go check him out on ohthestorieswetell.com. Please go to YouTube, check him out there. Again, Oh, the Stories We Tell, uh, the blue thought bubble with the orange writing. Look for that and uh, give him a subscription there. It's, it's well worth it. Uh, Chris has got some great content and he's a he's just a really good guy. And I think that that <laughs> comes across in the conversation. So uh, check him out for sure. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today for Focused on Forward. Thanks for listening. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe. Be kind and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.